Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter, ideas that can shape markets and perhaps change the world. Uh, we're with Kip Boyle today. Kip is an old friend, goes way back. Uh, I met him years ago when he was starting up his company, Cyber Risk Opportunities, where he's the CEO. But what he just said to me is, is more important, I think, in the context of the conversation we're going to have. And that is most people think of me as a virtual CISO. Tell me about what you mean by that, Kip. Sure thing, Ron, and thanks for having me. I always love our conversations. So a virtual uh, chief information security officer is really the role that I play. And, you know, sometimes uh, people think of this as a fractional CISO, right? Because when a company can't uh, yet afford to have a full-time CFO, they would maybe contract with a fractional CFO. And this is really the same concept. Um, which is they need somebody to provide some leadership on the topic of cyber risk and cybersecurity, um, but they don't necessarily need somebody to do that on a full-time basis. And so I can help them uh, as needed. Well, and it's much more than just fractional timeshares, fractional uh, aerojets, fractional. What, what you're really doing is you're becoming a knowledge advisor at very specific points in time, I would imagine as well. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, the reason why somebody would, would come to me and ask, ask for some assistance is typically because they're a senior decision maker and they are finding that their business momentum is not what they want it to be. And, 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 and that one of the reasons why, or maybe the only reason why, is because there's a cybersecurity issue. And those issues sometimes are in the front office which would translate into you know, uh, a desire to close a deal, but, but the security requirements are really challenging and they're not quite sure how to meet those requirements and so it causes delay. But it could also be a problem in a, in a back office situation where they are maybe wrestling with a computer incident, uh, maybe, maybe it's ransomware, or maybe there's some other kind of a cyber failure, and now they can't fulfill orders, um, and it's causing problems with, you know, their reputation. And so that would be another time when uh, a senior decision would decision maker could turn to me and my team. Okay. Well, let, let's. I want to pull on that string for a second. So it's obvious to me if you have an incident something like you said, whether on the opportunity side or the, the risk side, there's an incident, I need some advice right away. But I, I got a feeling your services don't start at just remediating the incident. You go deeper than that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the reason why I talk about incidents is because that is often the trigger that causes a senior decision maker to realize that they might be in over their head with respect to their ability to manage their cyber risk. And so after the pieces have been picked up and, um, and, you know, and they say to themselves, never again, well, that's really when I can provide the most help. Because what, what I realized in the course of my career, which started a long time ago, actually in 1992, but I, what I found out is that cyber risk, while most people see it as a technological issue, um, something that uh, needs to be tamped down, if you will. I actually see it as a marvelous management opportunity. Okay, so let's let's delve into that for a second. Again, the triggers the incident, uh, but like any business problem, you suddenly wake up and say, 
I need a mental state, if you will. I need a framework by which I can guide my company in the future. Whether I have a sales problem, I have an operations problem, I have a supply side problem, oh, or I have a cybersecurity problem. And what right. you're saying is, just like those other business problems require ultimately a business methodology, you're going to give them a framework, if you will. You're not just going to solve their problem, but you'll give something that sustains their mastery of uncertainty in the future. Yeah, that's right. Um, what a lot of people, a lot of senior decision makers haven't really caught on to yet is that cyber risk, I think, was rightly considered to be a obscure technological problem way back when I started, right? In the, in the early 90s and in the misty, you know, distant past from that. But what's interesting about cyber risk is that it's, it's, it's dynamic. It's, it's evolving. It gets uh, more and more lethal as time goes by. And that's because there's people driving those risks for the most part, and they will innovate. Uh, and you know, if, if they attack you one way one day and then you shut that door, well, they're not done attacking you. They're gonna find a new way to attack you. And so the stakes go up and up and up. And now where we're at is cyber risk is a bona fide business risk. It's not just a technology issue. And it's, it's just as serious to the future of a business as comparable risks are uh, in the areas of uh, sales, order fulfillment, accounts receivable. Um, missteps in those areas can either bankrupt your company or material, materially change its trajectory for years. And cyber risk is now a peer risk uh, on par with those. So I immediately go with your words to a defensive position. That's where I want to go. That's where my fear goes. But like you said, you said in your book, uh, which by the way, uh, we'll put on our members resource page so they have access. It's called Thank you. Fire, Fire Doesn't Innovate as far as the community is concerned. It's called Fire Doesn't Innovate. It's published last year in January. But you say cybersecurity is not just a technology problem. Now here's the key. It's a management opportunity. You didn't say it's a management problem. It's a management opportunity. Why is it an opportunity? Oh, it's, it's an opportunity because if you can um, create <clears throat> a competency for cyber risk management within your business, then you have, um, a, you've created a marvelous uh, capability. You can actually take more cyber risks than your competitors can, but your overall uh, risk appetite doesn't need to be, you know, uh, very much more than it is already. It's just that you now have a competency. And so risks that'll stop competitors, other competitors from doing things because they perceive it as being too risky will not be too risky for you. And the con, and you know the the other side is true too, which is to say you will become a much more difficult target, whereas your competitors will be a relatively more easy target for cyber attackers. And so, um, you know, whereas your competitors will uh, struggle uh, mightily with you know cyber attacks and cyber failures, your rate of incident won't be nearly as much. Well, what I love about your mindset, Kip, is you know. In the, in the security community, we like to be chicken little all the time. Mm. The sky is falling, sky is falling, right? Oh, oh my God, throw more money and resources at it. But I, I think back and I think, you know, the, the kind of stuff I've been involved in in business, mergers and acquisitions, 
Seven out of 10 of those fail. Why would we ever do one? Uh, startups, eight out of 10 fail. Why would I ever start up a company? Uh, nine out of 10 partnerships end up, you know, partnerships in a legal battle over each other. Why would I ever want to start them? And, and yet you're saying all those things may be true statistically, but what if you're the 1% that has a framework that keeps you from that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no guarantee, right? I mean, to take risk is the very essence of, of a business venture, right? You must take risk. So it's not a question of, I don't want any cyber risk. I mean, that's like saying, I, I, I don't want any of those other types of risks that you listed off. And no, we're going to do those things because we want the rewards. There are upsides when you manage risks well. And, and really that's what I'm saying is the cyber is just another one of the risks that if you can manage well, then you will get an upside. So if we caught your attention, members, um, I'm, I'm going to throw Kip a, uh, a quick curveball and say, Kip, if there's three things, just give them a, ta a, a taste of what your framework would include that speaks the management language of risk. Absolutely. Um, so the first thing that I will share with you is that you need to think about cyber risk uh, in the same way that you would think about purchasing a large piece of capital equipment. And if we unpack that just a little bit, what you realize is that there's two major domains of purchasing a piece of equipment. The first domain is, is a technological one where the equipment has to meet the specifications for the job at hand, right? You don't wanna over-purchase capacity. You don't wanna under-purchase capacity. I mean, it could be as simple as a truck, a delivery truck, right? You can't buy too small of one. You don't want too large of one. You need one that's, that's correct for the freight that you wanna move. And so, you know, that, uh, that truck has to meet certain specifications. Now, that's one domain. You could find just the right truck. Maybe you found several and you can choose from among many choices. Well, then that brings us into the second domain, which is the business domain. In other words, you've got to have a deal that makes sense for you. And in the case of a capital equipment purchase, you have to have terms. You may need to borrow. Can you afford the payment? What about the interest rate? You know, what, what other uh, requirements will the lender place upon you while you're servicing that debt, right? So it's a total package. And cyber risk is really very similar to that because you've got technological aspects to a solution set, but then you've got business dimensions to that solution set. And so let me tell you three things in the business dimension that, that are not often thought about. One is cyber liability insurance with both first and third party coverages. It's an absolutely essential um, uh, policy that everybody needs to have these days. And it's insufficient in most cases for that to simply be an add-on piece of coverage in your E&O or your, you know, your director's uh, liability or whatever, you know, your corporate liability. It's very common to find that as an add-on, but that's really not sufficient. So that's the first thing is you need to have good cyber insurance. Um, the next thing that I would say is that you need to have uh, your contracts contain the right language. Because what we know from looking at the data is that data breaches and other types of cyber risks often, maybe most often, manifest from third parties that you do business with outside vendors. And so I challenge my customers to pull out their vendor contracts, their templates, and to examine them closely for the correct language that is going to you know, put vendors on notice. We take cyber risk very seriously and these are the things we expect. And should something uh, bad happen, this is how you're gonna make us whole. 
So that's the, the second thing that's super important. So just to recap, you need to have the right insurance first. The second thing is you need to have the right vendor contracts. And the third thing you need to do is you need to have the right training for your folks. You need to have an acceptable use statement in your employee handbook that makes it perfectly clear what your expectations are with respect to cybersecurity and digital asset protection. If you don't let your folks know what you expect, then you're, you're going to get extremely uneven behavior from them. And by the way, if you're going to uh, share expectations like that with them, then you need to be a model of the behavior that you need. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing some of the most successful companies doing that? Are they starting at the top? Are they starting with the executive team, having them go through training and then moving all the way down? Or how, what, what's the, what's, what, what do you see most often? Well, what I see most often is not that. Mostly what it is, um, is in, you know, in a larger organization, say in the mid-market or an enterprise level, you'll see a person who is typically inside the IT department. And this person sees very clearly the kinds of things we're talking about right now. And this person will be very diligent about alerting their supervisor to some of these cyber risks. And maybe they don't understand the business dimension as well as, as I just explained it, but they know something's going on. And so they're trying to push from the grassroots up into the senior decision makers purview, this is a big deal. This is a risk that deserves top-down attention. Um, and that, but that person is, is most often not terribly successful at that. Um, and then in, in, in the lower market, in the, like uh, in the startup world and you know, smaller companies, it, it often isn't on their radar at all unless a triggering event occurs and they you know, uh, experience a financial fraud that was bought up, brought about by a phishing a successful a phishing attack, an email scam of some kind, then they'll start to get you know, clued into it. But people who work with me, what I tell them is, look, it needs to start from the top down because the tone at the top that is set by the senior decision maker, well, that's what people will, will pay attention to. Right, right? The, right, words, right. the words right. from your mouth are really you know, uh, going to get paid off by your behavior. And that's what is going to get people to pay attention. Well, that, that's actually a terrific. So basically, if, I'm, uh, if I hire you to help me mitigate an incident and you do believe you want a framework for success, you help them with that executive conversation. Oh, absolutely. And, and that was really why I wrote my book, because I have seen over the, the arc of my career that there's this yawning chasm between people who really understand cyber risk and, and the people who need to understand cyber right. risk, right? Which are typically senior decision makers who are, who are not necessarily uh, consider themselves to be very technically proficient. And yet the responsibility is really theirs. And so there's this really tough communication chasm. And so I wrote my book, part one of it, directly to address this. And so there's two wonderful use cases. One use case that I get involved in is I give my book to a senior decision maker and I say, please read part one, and then let's talk about it because I wrote uh, part one with no jargon and um, I use many stories and metaphors and, and you know, just make it easy for people to consume. So that's one use case. Um, and what I tell uh, technical people is I say, look, what you wanna do is take my book and read it and then take it to your senior decision maker, give it to them and say, let's start a book club, just you and me. I've read, I've read part one of this book. Will you read part one of this book? Because I really want to talk with you about what's inside. That is awesome. That's great. Hey, hey Kit, uh, Kit does some other things too, uh, everyone. 
Uh, Kip gets involved in uh, up and coming people who are trying to enter this industry. We can talk about that in a future conversation, but it's actually absolutely fascinating and a great help, especially when we have a shortage of labor in this particular domain. And that's why um, I do it. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's fantastic. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a future conversation. I just wanted everyone to be on notice when we do. Uh, uh, Kip, if we were to invite anyone to this round table, right, where we're trying to get at truth and we're looking at it from very, very much different perspectives, anyone you would like me to interview next? Oh my goodness. Um... Someone you'd like to hear from. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a huge list, Ron. <laughs> you throw I, one out, throw one out. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really trying to narrow it down, but I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm having trouble coming up with a single. That's okay. Name. That's okay. Well, we'd like to also come back maybe one of these days and have one of these leaders that you have come alongside of tell their story with you at the table. So maybe we can do that as well. And, and you know, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I'm like, my goodness, which one of my customers who has done so well, right. you know, where I've, I've walked alongside of them and they have just flourished in this discipline of cyber risk management, right? That's, that's the kind of person I would love right. to bring. I think yeah. it also would be fun to take two, two uh, Amazon uh, you know, top booksellers uh, in this space, you and George Finney, I'd love you both to come on and have a three-way conversation around this topic as well. Yeah, please invite me. I would love to do that. That'd be fantastic. This has been a great conversation with Kip Boyle. Kip, look forward to talking in the future. Thanks, Ron, so much.